Salutations, my friends. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noiser, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer. And I entitled this episode, Worshipping the Earth, Socioeconomic Reformations and Conflicts of Control. Why? Well, we've got assault rifle-wielding Mexican soldiers that are disarming American troops on our southern border. People talking about climate breakdown. New York coming up with its own version of the Green New Deal and so much more. We have the entire technocracy Agenda 21 on full display in the entire world is Mick gobbling it up. That's right. We're going to be talking about all kinds of different things. Eco-fascists, radical environmentalists, stable sterility, and so much more. The world that we're moving into is increasingly becoming chaotic, and I just hope that people are able to see it. Now, before we actually start this episode, I have a few updates for you guys. A few things to point you in the direction of what we're doing. We're collaborating with the Free Thought Project. Check out the, the link below so that I can actually put you guys in the direction of that. If you can support us, you support them. Uh, they're also going to be doing a story on our trip down there to the border, so look out for that. Also, uh, the New Mexico, the Mindfulness New Mexico Conference of 2019. I didn't live stream it because it was a private, uh, more spiritual thing, and I felt like that was something that uh, uh, something that shouldn't be put on display like we like to. This is something that we'll be doing a private transmission on uh, because it is important, and we have very private things uh, happening in relation to that. Lastly, part three of four with Adam Nix and J.C. Abbott of the Wayfinder Podcast is live. That living article is available. You can find that link in the description bar below and on our website. Be sure to check it out. And with that being said, let's start the show. Salutations, my friends, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom, brought to you by me, EJ, of Factions of Freedom. Why? Because, you know, it, it it's crazy thinking about how much work has already happened in 2019, and we're only in the fourth month. Who knows where we're going to be in, like, <laughs> September. Lots of stuff is going on. I hope you guys see us kind of not necessarily freaking out, but just like being overwhelmed and kind of like swarmed with all kinds of different opportunity and, and, and change and trying to be a vector point to get that out there to all you good people. We created this platform and now we have all of this stuff just coming into us, just, just, just massively growing, you know, at an exponential rate. Uh, and this is why you guys keep hearing me talking about the delivery method, the delivery method. We need to figure out a better delivery me- method because the peoples need the content. We're producing much more than the podcast feed can handle. Uh, people don't have time to sit there and listen to it. We have to figure out a better way. And this is, this is what I mean, uh, because these, these are the challenges of creating something like this. You know, we have all kinds of guests on, uh, we're trying to launch different shows, uh, we're assuming more of a leadership position with On The Wake Up Radio. We're going to try to launch a 24-hour uh, system with that. Mixed with Paradox Radio. Like, think about that. Think about that. And that's just one thing that we're doing. Not to mention that we're going down to the border. And we just got done hanging out with some locals, uh, which was a beautiful experience. If we have time, I, I, I may mention uh, some, of, some of how that was. The New Mexico Mindfulness Leadership Conference of 2019. It was beautiful. I felt like... Uh, it felt like, it essentially felt like I was just explore 
in the lost world uh, in the jungle and I stumbled I happened upon uh, this 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 lair or this this cove this den this civilization of just like civilized beautiful uh, goddess like people like Amazonian goddess style people you know of all different creed and color and here I am just kind of in my usual frantic state about things uh, having to calm down having to meditate having to uh, absorb the beauty, absorb the majesty, absorb that that essence. Uh, and I tell them this all the time. You know, I, I, I tell people to go pray. I tell people to go meditate. But it's a different thing whenever you're actually immersed in it. Uh, you know, I wanted to get up over here and talk to you guys about seasons of problems and cycles of solutions. And how this is how it works. There's different seasons with different problems. You will not find a polar bear in the, in the summer. Uh... You know, you will not find a snake in the winter. Different seasons have different problems. And that means that we have to have different cycles of solutions. And maybe this might be my mindset because we're, we're trying to garden here more and cultivate. And I'm just becoming a crazy person in general. You know, from spending time out in nature, uh, working out, still fiddling with guns, crafting things. Like, it's, it's getting kind of weird uh, where, where life is going. But I think that's what I mean by the Renaissance is everyone. Ha and I've spoken on this before with you, gang. Uh, everybody has a, a, a bit of divinity in them, a power, an essence that needs to be brought forward. And it can only be done. It can only it can only be brought forward by doing the types of work. It's part of my notes right here. Uh, the cycles of solutions are whenever you're self-generating. Right. You have to do the work to generate that. That's how you get the solutions, uh, you know. After a while, your gardening becomes too much because it becomes so bountiful. You have to give it away to other people. The seasons of problems are self-perpetuating. Self it's where you let things happen, right? And you don't tend to that garden. Uh, and this, this may play a theme throughout the entirety of the show. Who knows? But I guess I just wanted to lead in saying all that. We have a lot of different things coming to us, and it is because of you great people. Really. Uh, I, I really do hope that you guys become exclusive members. We're, we're launching a collaboration with the Free Thought Project where if you get a membership with us, you get a membership with them. They need the, uh, they need the support. We're figuring out other methods on uh, acquiring finances. And I've learned this. And I'm going I'm to shoot you guys straight. I've learned this. People, people want to support, but we don't necessarily have a whole lot of different avenues for people to support. Uh, we have the exclusive membership, the Shilaji, and the CBD oil, and a few other things, but there's not a lot of different avenues for people to, to, to concrete support the operation, and we're working on that. And this is what happens with the growth. Uh, you know, we're doing all this work. Like I said, I feel like we blasted through March, February, March, and, and, and clearly April. We have a lot of different things lined up for you guys in May. Uh, Nate Max of Innate Awareness is trying to get us out there in Bali uh, for June or July or August, we'll see. And so these are the types of things that I'm talking about. So how do we finance, not necessarily all of these different types of adventures, but how do we finance it and give it to you people and allow for you to have that experience? Uh, so there's a lot of different things that I'm working on for you guys, clearly for myself, but for you. Uh, and that's that's just how this works. Whatever I do for myself, I end up doing for you guys. And that's, that's, that's the craziness. I give you guys the secrets. I give you the tools. Uh, I hope you go and use them. You know, I'll say this and then I'll start, I'll, I, I'll actually start the show. Uh, you know, you, you, you hear me speaking a lot about the actual, the Renaissance, right? The Renaissance, the Renaissance, the Renaissance. 
the growth that has to take place, the divinity within man. And I spoke at, uh, at length about this with uh, Adam Nix and J.C. Abbott of the Wayfinder podcast and how, I think specifically in part three too, and about how whenever information, specifically esoteric, occult-style information, is introduced into society, there's all kinds of new uh, inventions, technologies, sciences, philosophies. There's a cultural shift. And we see this somewhat taking place. Uh, and this is the problem. Because while we have the Renaissance, you also have the intellectual dark web. The people trying to censor this with modern-day book burning. I was talking about this uh, with one of our team members just the other night whenever we were doing a briefing about this, uh, this trip we're taking down there to the border, right? If you guys want a great show to go watch, go watch that show Continuum. And in that show, it's on Netflix, uh, in that show, they actually have forbidden knowledge, forbidden information, and that's not a plug uh, for Billy Carson. That's, a, that, that, that's them saying that at a certain point in the future, you, books, knowledge, uh, physical, physical stuff is going to be considered contraband. It's going to be uh, forbidden knowledge. It's going to be illegal. The same way they have censored information, right, and they're banning everything, they're going to have forbidden content. So this is a part of that new intellectual dark web. Yes, we will be exploring new parts of, of, of understanding, new parts of humanity, and so much more. But at the same time, they will try to censor it and manipulate it for their own purpose. And what I mean by this is when you hear me talk about it all the time, how we're going through this awakening process, right, as approved by Twitter. This is what the technocracy is. This is what the Black Mirror is. This is what this whole digital uh, uh, growth is. It's for them to essentially take the awakening that we're supposed to undergo and put it through this filtration process where it has to be approved by 180 characters as it put forth by Twitter. And that's why I say it like that. You see. But, uh, yeah, that's what I have. So, with that being said, let's start the show. Now, uh, just last week I told you guys that uh, we weren't necessarily sure... Who committed those terrorist attacks uh, at Notre Dame? I did tell you how there were a number of curiosities surrounding the actual uh, the actual event itself, and how there were other things that I feel like we sh we should have paid attention to, but that we didn't. Uh, just again, a number of factoids that that that, that happened a few days just after that. There were attacks at in Sri Lanka, okay, and then there have been other subsequent attacks as well. And I've spoken on this before, the idea of uh, not necessarily rethinking of religion, but the religious wars that we see taking place, uh, and how this is put forth by Albert Pike, the 33rd degree Mason, uh, who wrote uh, Morals and Dogma, one of, the, one of the popular texts used by Freemasons today. And in that text, let's see if we can try to pull up the, 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 the video for you guys in the time frame that we have. Uh, but in that text, he actually talks about how one of the final wars... Right, is for is is for them to play religion off against one another. He wants to have uh, Christianity and uh, the House of Islam go at war with each other. Christianity, um, Christianity, Judaism, uh, and Islam. They want them all to go uh, at war with one another. Let's see if we can get this up for you guys. 
who knows? Okay. Zionists, Muslims, and the Illuminati. Yeah, let's let's roll the dice. Let's roll the dice. I'll play this for you guys, and then we'll uh, we'll get into more of the content because this actually does pertain uh, to a lot of the things that we're talking about. The idea that I'm trying to get across to you guys with these attacks is so that religion essentially cancels itself out, and we come out with this this new one world religion, which is Earth Day worship. You see, you see, uh, and I've talked about this at time at length with a lot of our guests, uh, Charles Casson in particular. But uh, let's get this up. Dated August 17th, 1871. It says the First World War must be brought in order, brought about in order to permit the Illuminati to overthrow the power of the Tsars in making Russia and making that country a fortress of aesthetic communism. The divergence caused by the agent or the agent tour of the Illuminati between the British and the Germanic Empire will be used to foment this war. At the end of the war, communism will be built and used in order to destroy the other governments and in order to weaken the religions. And this is essentially what we're, we're, we, we saw with the first wave of communism and now a whole new wave is coming. But right here, it says that the Second World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences between the fascists and the political Zionists. This war must be brought about so that the Nazism is destroyed and that the political Zionism be strong enough to institute a sovereign state of Israel and, pa and Palestine. During the Second World War, international communism must become strong enough in order to balance Christendom, which would then be restrained and held in check until the time we would need it for the final social cataclysm. What could that social cataclysm be? Could it be what's going on on the border, where everything's getting overwhelmed, the socioeconomic reformation? Right here, the Third World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agent tour of the Illuminati between the political Zionists and the leaders of the Islamic world. The war, the war must be conducted in such a way that Islam, the Muslim, Arab, the Muslim Arabic world, and political Zionism, the state of Israel, mutually destroy each other. Meanwhile, the other nations, once more divided on this issue, will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economic exhaustion. We shall unleash the nihilists and the atheists, and we shall provoke a formidable social, social catechism in which all its horrors will show clearly to the nations the effects of absolute atheism origin of savagery and the most bloody turmoil then everywhere the citizens obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries will exterminate those destroyers 
of civilization and the multitude disillusioned with Christianity, whose deistic spirits will from, will from that moment be without compass or direction, anxious for an ideal, but without knowing where to render its adoration, will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer, brought finally out in the public view. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Uh, and so, essentially, what I'm trying to talk about, uh, if you guys want to, if you guys want to know more about that, that was Albert Pike's uh, World War Three letter. That's when he's talking about, like I said before, the 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 use of religion to destroy one another. Uh, but right here, let me play for you guys this this news clip so we can get this on a record with everything. Uh, and this is attached to the article where we have Obama, Hillary, and Bernie all refusing to use the words Christian or churches in the Sri Lankan statements after the Islamic terror attacks uh, that have killed 290. We put this up April 22nd. This is by Jeffrey Gratter of Now the Ends Begins. We have breaking news from Sri Lanka after a series of deadly terror attacks on Easter Sunday. There was a new explosion in the capital, Colombo, just a short time ago. This latest blast followed a string of suicide bombings targeting Christians celebrating Easter. The Sri Lankan government says they were carried out by a local group of Muslim radicals. The bombing killed at least 290 people and wounded hundreds more. U.S. officials say several Americans are among the dead. Sri Lanka's health minister says warnings from intelligence agencies were not followed. The terrorists targeted three churches and three luxury hotels in nearly simultaneous attacks on Easter Sunday morning. Elizabeth Palmer is in Colombo, the capital, near one of the bombers' targets yesterday. Elizabeth, good morning to you on this terrible day in Sri Lanka. Indeed, I'm standing. We have craziness from Sri Lanka after craziness. All right, so I think this is this is getting pretty crazy. Uh, people want the truth, you know. Just just last week we talked about how there's uh, six thousand different, specifically Iranian terror cells that are here in America, uh, and this is this is getting crazy, you know. Uh, people say that these types of things are not happening, that uh, we're not being invaded, that there's not uh, domestic terrorists going on, you know. Like we've 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 spoken about the minds of these saboteurs. We've we've gone into depth about this, you know. People that hate America, people that hate the West, uh, people that are actually ushering ushering in this social disintegration, uh, the, uh, the collapse of society, uh, these accelerationists. That's a lot of what we were, what we we didn't do a lot of in depth discussion and research into uh, the Great Replacement. What the 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 shooter in New Zealand did, because if you ask me, that's exactly what Agenda 21 is. He was talking about the birth rates and so much more uh, being replaced, so many different things, and that's what we're seeing right now. There's, there's, there's so many different things happening. That's why there's an attack on religion. That's why there's an attack on identity, churches, and so much more. Uh, check this article out right here. This is a perfect example. This is from Michael Snyder via the end of the American Dream blog, but we had the but, uh, Tyler Durden from Zero Hedge actually reposted it. It says, churches have become the number one target for hate attacks, an average of 105 every single month. You put this up April 22nd. It says the bombings in Sri Lanka have once again put a spotlight on the rising tide of violence against Christians all over the world. According to Open Doors USA, an average of 105 churches and or Christian buildings are burned or attacked every month. 
That is more than three per day, and almost all the attacks get ignored by the mainstream media in the Western world. In addition, an average of 345 Christians are killed for faith-related reasons every single month. Crazy. And I've, I've heard stories, too, you know, where they'll ask you, hey, are you a Muslim? Do you believe in God? No? Bam. Do you, are, do you believe in Allah? No? Bam. They'll, they'll kill you. Uh, and so we, we have these types of things coming over here. And I know we probably have some people that are Muslim that do listen. I'm not sure what, what to say about these types of things. Uh, because we're, we're, we're going to start venturing into what's personal. And I don't feel like this is like people's religions are things that are becoming important to them. But whenever it becomes this kind of uh, radical, extremist, terroristic, uh, I'm going to impress my views upon you. You're going to submit or die by the sword. That's whenever it becomes obviously dangerous and life threatening. Like that. I, we, we, it, it, it is clearly becoming something important. Okay. Uh, and so we're going to try to get into that and more as things evolve, because this is, this is deep. This is not going to go out of, this is not going to go untouched. Uh, but continuing on, it says, of course, these numbers will soon be out of date because violence against Christians continue to escalate all over the globe. And the horrific and the horrifying attacks that we just witnessed in Sri Lanka are a perfect example. The following comes from CBS News. A series of eight bombings in Sri Lanka targeting, targeting Christian churches and hotels in three cities killed at least 207 people and wounded at, up to at least 450 others on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. Defense Minister Ruan Wibardin described the coordinated blast as a terror attack by religious extremists. More specifically, the attackers were Muslim extremists. Now, again, you're free to practice your religion however you see fit, but the minute it becomes like this, that's whenever it becomes dangerous. And you have people say, well, who's behind the mask anyway? Who's behind the hajib? We don't know who those people are. And, and so, again, it just becomes this whole mysterium, delusional type of thing to where we, we, we can't accuse them. They become this protected class similar to the Jews. Like, and that's just how it is. And so I want to speak on this too, because this is, this is where we have to kind of pivot uh, into what we were recent, what we were just kind of talking about Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama uh, and Bernie Sanders using the word Easter worshipers in relation to Christians. And so you have a lot of, you have a lot of people within the, the, the truth community uh, who call it out. They call it uh, Ishtar, earth, earth worship, pagan worship, right? Earth worshipers, paganism. Uh, and if you ask me, this is the, because we live in a, a, a extremely politically correct time. This is the way for them to gradually shift the public's opinion on things like religion, on things like ceremonies, rituals, celebrations, traditions, all these things. What I've led in talking about, different seasons. Uh, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving call, being called Indigenous People's Day. Uh, Easter now being called e Easter, or Easter worship or something like that. You see, it's a word game. It's a name game. It's a culture game. If they can take the words away from you, then they can effectively dissemble you. This is why they're coming up with all kinds of new things. LGBTQ P four five six seven, all of these 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 different things because that's what it is. It's words. If they can master the words, they can master reality. 
And that's what you've got to think about. So to introduce earth worship in a time like this, where you have them uh, promoting scarcity and austerity, not prosperity and abundance, uh, they, they, they don't want to recognize divinity, but they want to recognize, hey, you're, you're, you're beautiful now. Your temporal uh, finite ability, so to speak. They want you to worship the creation and not the creator. You see. I want to play for you guys real quick a clip, if I can, uh, of these protesters that were arrested. They were apparently arrested over 105 or over 100 different uh, protesters. Either 100 or 1,000 different protesters. Yeah, 1,000 different protesters were arrested in the UK trying to raise awareness about climate change. Let's take a listen. According to Reuters, more than 750 climate change activists have been arrested over the last six days in London. Police in the English city said the number was up Saturday from Friday's total of 682 after protesters organized by climate group Extinction Rebellion disrupted travel by blocking roads at popular landmarks, including the Marble Arch and Waterloo Bridge. Extinction Rebellion has been calling for nonviolent civil disobedience to force the British government to reduce net greenhouse gas emissions to zero by the year 2025. Metropolitan Police Commissioner Cressida Dick told BBC News that there were 1,500 police officers on Saturday working to clear the According to Reuters, more Crazy. than 750 climate change activists have... 750 climate activists. That's crazy to me. Over, uh, over that many arrested. But that's because, you know, they're... <laughs> People are stepping out about this now. While I'll sit up over here and tell you that earth worship is is the new world order, one world religion. I love nature. I love going out there hiking. I love going out there and be one with nature. But whenever it becomes something mandated, the same way we're talking about with religion and vaccines, that's whenever I have a problem. That's whenever the teachings and, and the understandings of things can actually be uh, manipulated. But uh, to get into this this post, uh, it says that the... It says that the number of environmental campaigners arrested during eight days of direct action in London topped 1,000 on Monday, uh, police said, adding that Waterloo Bridge, one of the sites blockaded by the protesters, had reopened to traffic. Uh, climate group Extinction Rebellion, the one that we, they had mentioned, uh, has targeted sites in central London, such as Oxford Circus and Parliament Square, in a campaign of nonviolent civil disobedience with the aim of stopping what is called global climate crisis. Police said that uh, 1,000 and 65 people have been arrested in connection with the protests and that they had been charged and that 53 people had been charged with uh, including obstruction charged with offenses including obstruction of the highway and so this is a good thing to me if you ask uh, me because this this type of stuff is going to start happening more what is it what are the LFS protests you see uh, but I, I want to go ahead and put this pin in here while we're talking about these types of things, for people who are not familiar as, as to who Greta Thunberg is, uh, she's essentially a, a Swedish, a 15-year-old Swedish little activist that's already talking about uh, why the environment is so important and how we're robbing the future from her. Uh, and now I know that this type of stuff, it sounds heart-wrenching. It sounds like, you know, you're being a jerk, EJ. Why don't you like nature? What I'm really trying to tell you and put across to you people is that they're going to start really pushing this kind of eco-fascist uh, mentality, this radical environmentalist mentality. 
Uh, and it, it, it sounds, on the surface, good, right? But you've got to understand, at the end of the day, it is anti-human. This is the Green New Deal. This is the socioeconomic reformation. This is what I mean by living in a post-industrial uh, revolution, where, where if we have time, going to be getting into things like human composting, burying your body, carbon-neutral programming, and being compost for plants and humans. We're essentially talking about things like soylent green. Uh, we already have people within our, our generation, millennials, that are having less kids, less marriage. I remember reporting on an article two years ago, and I, ref I constantly refer back to it, uh, of NBC News saying that having kids is bad for the earth. I've talked again at length about how people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is being one of the main uh, vectors telling people not to have kids. It's bad for the earth. This is, there's a whole movement now becoming because it's 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 again part of this whole pro-earth anti-human agenda called the birth strikers movement where they're telling you hey look i don't want to have kids because something's going on with the earth but don't you worry because we're gonna we're gonna lower your carbon footprint okay this is this is what i have a problem with i'm all for let's take care of the earth but that's why we have to do it ourselves people will tell you that we're in the final age of man and 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 uh, you know, I, I, I find that very crazy to believe, but whenever you look at everything that they're pointing to and what they're trying to do to us, is it, uh, is it all that hard to believe? We're, we're, we're degenerating. Uh, our muscles are atrophying. We're not really using a lot of <laughs> that movie. Idiocracy is so true. It's very, it's very scary. Uh, and I talk about this too in our, mo in our, in our documentary series, uh, building the matrix where the, 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 the whole goal and I talked about this, I think, in the, last, uh, in the last week's episode. The whole goal of things that we see now, this phase that we're in within the planning for Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, and so much more, is to destroy, air quotes, the exterior world so much so that we willingly go into this matrix that you see them building. You see. But right now, it has to come from uh, a, a loving environmentalist aspect. This is why you have people like Bill Gates working with Harvard uh, to spray stratospheric aerosol injections into the sky, chemtrails into the sky to try to, 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 to block back the sun's radiation. This is the insanity that we're going up against. But here, uh, let, me, let me play for you guys this clip, and this is precisely what, uh, what Albert Pike was trying to reference in his letter, uh, what we kind of see playing out right now. You have George Mon, uh, George Monbiot appearing on Frankie Boyle's far left political chat show, uh, New World Order, and the the columnist, the columnist and environmentalist explained how, in order for him to save the planet, we have to overthrow capitalism. And so whenever I talk about the Green New Deal being a part of this global communist, this global socialist uh, ideology, this eco-fascist ideology where they're going to run up on you if you're overstepping your carbon footprint or your carbon allowance, or if you overuse water or electricity or something like that. These are the types of steps that are going to be taken to move us into that world. I've said it time and time again about how the idea is to sell us free energy, and it's things like this that pave the way for that. Let's take a listen. What, what would you say people should do, George, if they well, do I, one I, thing? I mean what we have to do is a big structural political economic stuff. You know, what, what we're being told to do is change your cotton buds and all these sort of pathetic micro-consumerist bollocks, which just isn't going to get us anywhere. You know, there are one or two things you can do as a consumer which do make change, switch to a plant-based diet. That's one big, big change because animal farming has this massive environmental impact. 
another one stop flying yeah but but beyond that actually everything we have to do is change the system we have to overthrow this system which is eating the planet with perpetual growth i mean since when was gdp a sensible measure of human welfare and yet everything that governments want to do is to try to boost gdp now people like the oecd or the world bank who say oh we're not asking for a lot of growth just three percent a year that means doubling in 24 years yeah we're bursting through all the environmental boundaries and screwing the planet already you want to double it double all that double it again keep doubling it it's madness we've got to find a better way of measuring human welfare than perpetual growth we've got to start ramping down all fossil fuel production and leave fossil fuels in the ground and at the same time and this is a nice bit of it it turns out that through massive rewilding ecological restoration you can draw down a load of the carbon dioxide we've already produced huge amounts allowing the forests to come back the marshes to come back um, the sea floor to recover from trawling and stuff they draw down carbon dioxide and can take us a long way towards stopping climate breakdown at the same time as stopping ecological breakdown there's time but we can't do it by just pissing around at the margins of the problem we've got to go straight to the heart of capitalism and overthrow it. You, told, you, told me, you said this was going to be a comedy program? Oh no. No, they're used to it. You know, they're used to the, the calls for revolution on this show. Yeah, I would think that you guys are probably used to the calls of revolution over here as well. Uh, but there's a lot of different things to look at with that. Uh, switching to things like a plant-based diet. Where else have we heard people say stop flying? Uh, perpetual growth, and this is probably something we'll speak into throughout the entirety of the show. Uh, this is what I said by them not promoting abundance and wealth, uh, and promoting austerity and scarcity, uh, ramping down on fossil fuels, rewilding, you know, uh, reforesting things like the forests, the marshes, and, 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 and speaking on things such as climate breakdown. Uh, and this is a big point as well. Before Governor Jerry Brown, California Governor Jerry Brown, left office uh, and essentially handed it over to Gavin Newsom, he talked a lot about how that's what's going to cause the migration that we see happening now, climate breakdown. In certain areas, places are going to be uninhabitable. Uh, people will not be able to live there. They won't be able to farm. They won't be able to do certain things. So they're going to obviously migrate to areas where they are habitable. I think that's a lot of what we're seeing now. But to outright call for the overthrow of capitalism, that's what I mean by these eco-fascists. These, these radical environmentalists who push that idea, but so that we can get all this stuff too on the same, and we'll, we'll get into this too on the same, uh, uh, on, the, on, on the next side too, but for now, I want to play for you guys a little bit of New York Mayor Bill de Blasio talking about the Green New Deal. So, so, so talk about it, uh, New York's Green New Deal, obviously the one presented in Congress has actually caused a rift even among Democrats. What are you doing in New York City? How does that provide a roadmap for Democrats and independents and some progressive or forward-thinking Republicans nationwide? We're actually making the Green New Deal come alive here in New York City. So we have our own Green New Deal. It's three very basic ideas. One, uh, the biggest source of emissions in New York City is buildings. We're putting clear, strong mandates, the first of any major city on the earth to say to building owners, you got to clean up your act, you got to retrofit, you got to save energy. If you don't do it by 2030, there will be serious fines as high as a million dollars or more for the biggest buildings. 
And this mandate is going to guarantee that we reduce emissions. We're going to ban the classic glass and steel skyscrapers, which are incredibly inefficient. If someone wants to build one of those things, they can take a whole lot of steps to make it energy efficient, but we're not going to allow what we used to see in the past. Uh, and the city of New York, the government, which uses about as much energy in a, a year as do the people and the businesses of the state of Vermont, we are going to get all of our energy from renewable sources in the next five years. So, so, so these are the big broad strokes for the plan. They, so, so these are the big broad strokes for the plan. They, they could have wide impact. These are civic decisions. Uh, but there's also personal things people can do. You talk a lot about some of the things you do your own life. You recycle. You make, yep. uh, your staff has said you go around City Hall turning off lights and so yes. on. Um, but I also do need to ask, uh, you live on the Upper East Side in Gracie Mansion. Uh, most days, or several days a week, a city uh, SUV drives you 11 miles to a gym in Brooklyn, as opposed to one that's close to ah. where you currently reside. <laughs> uh, what sort of environmentally responsible example are you setting there, taking this drive in a car, as opposed to going someplace nearby? So the example we're setting first and foremost, let's, let's look at this yeah, exact that, question before us. The plans we have put forward, we're acting on, will reduce emissions 30% in all of New York City by 2030. Uh, that's where we make huge change. Uh, to the question you asked, look, wherever I go in New York City, whether I take a subway, whether I go nearby or farther away to another borough, uh, I have a security detail that follows me in their cars either way. So let's be clear, this is just part of my life. I, I come from that neighborhood in Brooklyn. My home. I go there on a regular basis to stay connected to where I come from. That, and that's not be just in the his life. That I think for a lot of politicians <laughs> is a huge problem. Uh, but the fact is that those cars and that security detail are part of the life of being mayor of New York City. Switching gears, it was a sort of jarring headline. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! Way to uh, way to way to sidestep that question. And I think that is the 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 hypocrisy on levels that I don't think a lot of people really get like think about it you, you you would have to you would have had to watch that full clip to literally hear that level of hypocrisy uh that's just his life that yeah he's just got to travel 11 miles every day using a city suv you know to go to the gym he just ha he just has to do that that's just his lifestyle and when alexandria ocasio cortez was asked the same thing she said oh well this is just my lifestyle this is this is just how i have to live so think about that Think, think about that. I want to play for you guys just one more clip, right, that shows the hypocrisy. You have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talking about how having children is bad for the planet. And it's the same way that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio takes um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Al, Al Gore, all these people. They take uh, these, these jets to these climate summits uh, telling people to reduce their carbon emissions. But you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez racking up. 149 times in two years carbon uh, carbon emission spewing vehicles like she's she's doing the same thing she's using city SUVs driving all over the place talking about we've got to reduce this we've just got to bring it down but here she is talking about how children having children it could be bad for the earth we like there's scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult and it does lead I think young people to have a legitimate question, you know, should, is it okay to still have children? And I mean, not just financially, because people are graduating with 20, 30, $100,000 worth of student loan debt. 
And so they can't even afford to have kids in a house, but also just this basic moral question, like what do we do? And, and even if you don't have kids, there are still children here in the world and we have a moral obligation to them uh, to leave a better world for them. And this idea that if we just, you know, I've been working on this for X amount of years, um, it's like not good enough. Like I we can't. Need a universal sense of urgency and people are trying to like introduce like there's okay. scientific- I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and, uh, and shut that down. But what I'm trying to do with this segment is show you guys how what we're seeing gradually over time. I, I spoke about it with the, 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 pre, the most recent episode where we had Carrie Wedler's uh, The Most Dangerous Religion segment. Now what you're seeing is a politicization of environmentalism to where they're slowly interweaving uh, environmentalist, environmentalist ideas into everything that we see going on. We're going to play for you guys that clip, too, on the other side as well. Uh, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio talking about New York's Green New Deal and how that ties into the socioeconomic reformation and more. With this segment, I wanted to illustrate how with the with, with the attacks that we're seeing on Christianity, with the attacks that we're seeing uh, with religion all across the world. You know, People said that uh, the, the, the Sri Lankan attacks were a response for what happened in New Zealand. Uh, we're seeing, we're going to see more of these types of religious wars, these unholy wars, play out because that's what it is. They have to collapse pre-existing religions so that they can birth this brand new within. And that's exactly what we're seeing uh, with this and more. But, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about things like New York's Green New Deal, uh, pedophilia being taught as a sexual orientation, uh, and, and and other strange things that are going on in New York City. Uh, opioid epidemics, and so much more. This is a crazy, crazy world where we find ourselves living in. This is the socioeconomic reformation. reformation. Uh, I am Freedom Faction. This is Factions of Freedom, and we'll be right back right after this. Salutations, my friends. I'm here to talk to you about, that's right, CBD oil. CBD oil can reduce the risk of relapse among alcohol and cocaine addicts, and you know they're trying to flood us with both. According to a 2013 study published in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology, CBD was proven to have these benefits, relieving pain and inflammation, having antipsychotic effects, reducing anxiety, helping to fight cancer, relieving nausea, treating seizures, lowering incidences of diabetes, and also promoting cardiovascular health. Realized that in 2014, Purdue Pharma received FDA approval for an opioid drug that claimed to help curb the opioid addiction. This will actually help you curb your usage of opioids as well as your reliance upon them. And remember, guys and gals, stay vigilant. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noise Era, Freedom Faction, out.
Welcome back. Yeah, you know, uh, it may not. It, it, I know it seems like this. It may. I think politics is a very dangerous thing. Politics and very politics and philosophy. It's all very interesting, and that's why, with the time frame that we have, I'm not able to effectively talk to you guys about my my, my particular stance. I'm able to give you guys uh, a quick gestalt of what's actually going on and what that means in a larger context. But I myself am unfortunately some not, sometimes not able to put that type of information out there. Uh, and before we actually start the segment, I want to just say real quick, you know, that's why I play things like the Shilajit uh, and the CBD oil, because the CBD oil, that's made here in America. That's American CBD oil when you're doing that. Uh, it's, it's, what is it? It's uh, grown in California, and then they produce it in, 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 in Colorado, right? And then they ship it nationwide. I also think they ship it internationally. And then the Shilajit, I think that is, that's, uh, that's resin harvested from the Himalayan mountains and other mountains over there in Russia, and then uh, literally compacted down into chalk, right, for you guys. And so I, I essentially have things to, to, to mellow you out with the CBD oil, acted sometimes as an anti-inflammatory. Uh, it, it does wonders for after the workout, if you're really trying to calm down. Great for post-workout stuff. Good if you want to put it in um, teas or anything like that. Same thing with the Shilajit. I have stuff that energizes you. I have stuff that's natural because I do pay attention to the earth. Have you ever just like sat in, er sat in nature and like had tea? So when I'm talking about this type of stuff, it's not, I, I, I don't... I'm not anti-nature. I am I am pro-nature. I love nature. I love Mother Earth. But what I'm trying to talk to you guys about is how they're, they're beginning to, to force you, force this ideology into you. And we this is why we have so many people that are involved in different aspects of nature, uh, not, not only with natural medicine, healing, uh, gardening, diets, health, and so much more. I mean, we recently got a chicken coop here. Uh, we're, we're doing gardening here. That's why we're doing the whole 10-day retreat, uh, jungle re the 10-day the, the jungle retreat uh, in Bali with Nate Max of Innate Awareness. That's why we're doing the Matrix Reset out there in nature, is to decompress, is to get away. So I understand like the beauty of nature. I wish other people did. But do you think that you could have these conversations with somebody like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Could you have it with Governor Jerry Brown? Could you have it with Gavin Newsom? Could you have it with Bernie Sanders? Could you have it with Barack Obama? Could you have it with Hillary Clinton? Could you have it with all these people that are in power that uh, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio? What does he know about nature? He's out there in the concrete jungle. And that's, the, that's what I'm talking to you about. You have people who are in these situations disassociated from reality trying to tell you how to live yours, dictating to you... Uh, uh, how much water you should have, when you should turn your lights off. Oh, but they're going to they're gonna travel and do all this other stuff and tell you that's just their life. You need to live inside of yours. You see, somehow you're like this surf class and they're this protected elite class that knows better than you. That's what happens with the most dangerous religion. And that's why it's a problem. Now, let's start this segment off with some good news. That's <laughs> with some good news. That's what I had intended to do uh, whenever we came in, but I just got to talk and then jib jabbering about things as I typically do. Uh, but check out this article from Zero Hedge. It says federal judge rules Flint residents can sue the EPA over the water crisis. Now, recently we had Jaden Smith. Let's see if we can get that. That uh, recently we had Jaden Smith. Um, 
and we talked about this, but and we and we posted about it as well. Recently, we had Jaden Smith come out there with his new uh, water, his new water treatment facility, because we we had heard that uh, we had heard that Elon Musk was going to attach a water filtration system uh, to some of the people out there and help them, but we never heard much about that. Then, uh, right, right around the time in March. Uh, Jaden Smith launched this company, 501c3, and the water box. Let's see if we can play this for you guys. Water is life, and when people are denied access to clean water, that's just the ultimate sin. Who doesn't deserve water? Who deserves a better quality of water than others? It's amazing how we take water for granted. It's when you're in situations like this that you really see how often you use water. This has never happened in America, ever. We have people that are suffering and dying with no explanation. People around the world think that the problem in Flint got solved and that that's why it's not being reported on. And it's just not true. The problems have not been solved. People cannot drink the water. It's just that simple. We as a community are coming together. This machine can filter 10 gallons every 60 seconds. It wasn't so much, what can we do for you? It was more so, what can we do together? Water is well, life. That's what it takes. Uh, but to continue on over here, we put this article up April 23rd. It's from Tyler Durden of Zero Hedge. Uh, and go ahead and say, I just want to go ahead and say congratulations, Jaden, because these are the types of things that happen. Uh, it's like people taking money for, taking pictures, giving money to homeless people, you know, you're doing that for the likes. Just do the work. You'll get your accreditation along the way. Uh, but continuing on, it says, as Flint, Michigan marks five years, five years since 2014, five years since the deadly water crisis began, a federal judge ruled in favor of residents who want to sue the federal government for not acting promptly to ensure the city had clean drinking water. Residents filed suit against the EPA in 2017, demanding 700 or 722 million in damages, and arguing that the agency was able to inform the city that its drinking water was contaminated months before it finally issued an emergency order. "Quote: These lies went on for months while the people of Flint continued to be poisoned," Judge Linda Parker, an Obama appointee, wrote in her ruling fire in her in her ruling Friday. Uh, the EPA was notified that Flint was using a contaminated drinking water uh, source, the Flint River, in mid-2015 when a whistleblower wrote in a memo that the water contained lead. And this is true uh, because people started developing things like Legionnaire's disease. They had all kinds of legions, lesions on their body. Uh, children were having developmental dis uh, issues, problems, and things like that. And they just let this go on. The problems are still there. They, Flint still doesn't have clean water. Uh, but continuing on, it says, but the agency didn't issue an, an emergency order to protect, to protect residents for another seven months. By that time, residents of the majority black city had been drinking the tainted water for a year and a half. City officials began dr drawing drinking water from the river in April 2014, switching from Detroit's system to save money. Uh, and residents began complaining of rashes, hair loss, and other health concerns almost immediately and reporting that the water was brown and had an untaste unpleasant taste and odor but the city insisted the water the water was safe state regulators continued selling people telling residents that the water was safe for drinking even after a group of doctors reported in 2015 
September 2015, uh, that they had detected high levels of lead in children's bloodstream. The EPA issued its emergency order in January of 2016 and claimed that it's lacked the authority to take action sooner because of the state's decision making. Like, yeah, no, that's this is this is an ongoing issue. I actually posted about this uh, earlier this week too, about how an Obama EPA, Obama appointed EPA judge knew that the Flint residents were drinking tainted water. And look at this guy. As look at him. As he's he knows he's doing something controversial. That's why he's doing the whole the whole bit. But I'm going to play for you guys. Obama saying, as if he's doing like an ad for Pepsi, that the Flint water. Is safe. It is. There you go. You know, generally I have not been doing stunts here, but you know. And uh, this used uh, a filter. Um, you know, the water around this table, uh, you know, was plant water that was filtered, and it just confirms uh, what we know scientifically, which is. Uh, that uh, if you're using a filter, if you're installing it, uh, then Flint water at this point is drinkable. Uh, that does not, I want to repeat, negate the need for us to go ahead and replace some of these pipes because ultimately you want a system in which you don't have to put a filter on it in order to be assured that it's safe. But as a short-term measure, uh, this is the right thing to do. Yeah, sure. And this is uh, this this is why it is still an ongoing issue, is because it, it, it hasn't been resolved. Uh, but last week, Flint received seventy seven or seven seven seventy seven point seven million dollars uh, for a water improvements project. So I think that's a, a, a that too is part of the the beauty of what actually goes on and and, and what I think happens. I hope uh, that some of this money doesn't get misappropriated, and I actually hope that the people of Flint. Receive what is necessary because this is this is a long time coming. These are the types of things that we're talking about and why it's important that we get this kind of stuff out there because we have a failing infrastructure here within our country. We have a failing infrastructure around the entire world. Flint is just an example of the entire country rallying up behind one city saying, hey, fix this problem. There are, comp- there are, there, there, there are counties, there's towns all over the country who were victims of, like I said, this failing infrastructure. This is, again, part of the socioeconomic reformation where they're, where, where there's, they're reducing uh, emissions. They're trying to get us away from fossil fuels, stuff like that. They're, they're, they're trying to tell you what they really think is important. And whenever this type of stuff doesn't happen, you have people and organizations and companies uh, like Nestle that come in and buy up whole towns, buy up lakes, and then sell the, sell the water back to the people. So this is good news to think that Flint would actually be able to receive some money to counteract this and actually uh, have people be able to sue the federal government in, re- in, in retaliation to this. So this is, this is good stuff. Uh, but continuing on with the socioeconomic reformation, let's, let's move over here back to New York City. They had a judge that recently upped, upheld the mandatory vaccination law. Uh, and what we've seen go on with the Orthodox Jews over there, uh, the Rockland County, uh, the the mandatory vaccines, like that is some very serious stuff. It, it's it's st- it's still ongoing, and that's what I think is crazy. Uh, you can have all kinds of different people from around the world raise money for a church or for Notre Dame, but you won't have people 
in America come out for money for homeless people, for Flint, for any of this type of stuff. Like I really think our, I really do think that we have our priorities a little bit backwards. And then whenever you talk about these, this vaccine issue, this too again is something personal, medical freedom, your health, right? They're 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 forcing this onto you. You see. Right here, we put this up April 19th. It's from Judge Report Feed. It says, Judge upholds mandatory measles vaccinations. It says, a Brooklyn judge has sided with New York health officials to uphold a mandatory measles vaccinations order dismissing a lawsuit from a group of parents who claimed the city had overstepped its authority. Judge Lawrence Nipple of, uh, on Thursday refused parents' request to re- request to lift the vaccination order that was imposed last week to stem a severe measles outbreak. Quote, a fireman need not to obtain the informed consent of the owner before extinguishing a house fire, Nipple wrote in his ruling as quoted by Gothamist. Quote, vaccination is known to extinguish the fire of contagion. On the same day, the city announced that it was closing four more schools and issuing three more civil summons, civil summons for parents who had failed to comply with the mandate. As of Thursday, the New York Department of Health had recorded 359 cases of measles since the outbreak began in October up from 329 confirmed cases on Monday. Uh, the, ca- the cases are centered around the ultra-Orthodox Jewish communities in Brooklyn. I want to play for you guys uh, with, r- real quick with the time that we have, because this is, this is we have lots of time. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> I want to play for you guys the time that we, this, this video real quick, you know, of them, uh, of this measles outbreak and how they're saying that it's actually getting out of control and why. Again, at the start of the year, the World Health Organization said that anti-vaxxers were going to be one of the, the biggest global health threats of 2019. They're trying to say that this measles outbreak, that, that people are getting sick, that people are getting unwell, that all this stuff is happening, that the environment's becoming toxic, and, and here and so forth. Well, how is that the case whenever we're letting in all kinds of different people from third world countries, uh, whenever our food's not really, not really food, it's not passing regulation standards, uh, our, 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 our air is polluted. Like, we need to look at the environment instead of trying to just force more toxins into our body. But I digress. Let me play for you guys this clip of uh, the measles outbreak hitting record levels. Are approaching numbers the United States hasn't seen in 20 years. Health reporter Stephanie Stahl is here now with more on this growing outbreak. It continues to grow, you guys. You know, more than 70 new cases have been reported. The number of measles cases in the U.S. so far this year is approaching the record for the decade, and this in just four months' time. That, according to new data released today. The disease starts in the early Pediatrician days. Jeffrey Probably Avner starts. is on the front lines of a measles outbreak that is showing no signs of slowing down. When you see a disease that is preventable with vaccination, it is somewhat disheartening. His hospital in Brooklyn has treated nine cases of measles so far, including an adult and a child who ended up in the intensive care unit. Parents don't really understand the risks of measles because they haven't seen measles, because it has become such a rare disease. But measles does have very serious complications. 
One in 20 children with measles get pneumonia, which, by the way, is the most common cause of death. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is now reporting 626 cases of the highly contagious virus in 22 states, including New Jersey and Delaware, the second highest number of cases reported since measles was declared eliminated in 2000. Most of the New York cases have occurred in unvaccinated people in Orthodox Jewish communities. Doctors across the country are also fighting against an anti-vaccine movement among some parents. They're getting information from sources that are incorrect, that are trying to sell them on ideas and studies that were fraudulent and debunked. Dr. Avner says if people stay unvaccinated, the measles could continue to spread. Now, some experts are concerned with Passover this week that there will be an increase in measles cases after the holiday in the coming weeks. So this is not under control by any means. Doctors say people need to be vaccinated for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Well, there you have it. You need to be vaccinated. Uh, You're scaring people. You need to hurry up and be be vaccinated. I think that's kind of crazy. You know, mind you, this is the very same archetypal structure uh, that prescribes Prozac, lithium, uh, Oxycontin, Percocet, Xanax, all these other things. This is the same industry. The same industry is trying to uh, secure your health. Uh, We talked about this last week's in in last week's episode with Bernie Sanders and Medicare for all plan. Uh, Looks like they're going ahead and doing it. That's that's your Medicare. You're going to get these shots. And that's the insanity that I'm talking about. But uh, let's go back over here, continuing on. While we're still here in New York, play for you again this clip of uh, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio talking about uh, the Green New Deal and what they have in plan and store for New York. And before I play for you this clip, notice how it's not California now. It's not California that's making all the crazy moves. It's not California that's doing all the technocratic stuff. It's not California... It is abiding by Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030. It's now New York. What's crazy, too, is a lot of our domestic audience is based on the coastal cities. And that's important uh, because when we're going down to the border, I met more people that are part of this resettlement uh, process, the resettlement and transportation process within this this whole thing. And that's where they're taking them. They're taking them to coastal cities. Uh, But i got to save that for the actual documentary and what we're going to be doing with that. Here we have with uh, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio talking about New York's Green New Deal. So, so, so talk about uh, New York's Green New Deal. Obviously, the one presented in Congress has actually caused a rift even among Democrats. What are you doing in New York City? How does that provide a roadmap for Democrats and independents and some progressive or forward-thinking Republicans nationwide? We're actually making the Green New Deal come alive here in New York City. So we have our own Green New Deal. It's three very basic ideas. One, uh, the biggest source of emissions in New York City is buildings. We're putting clear, strong mandates, the first of any major city on the earth, to say to building owners, you got to clean up your act, you got to retrofit, you got to save energy. If you don't do it by 2030, there will be serious fines as high as a million dollars or more for the biggest buildings. And this mandate is going to guarantee that we reduce emissions. We're going to ban the classic glass and steel skyscrapers, which are incredibly inefficient. If someone wants to build one of those things, they can take a whole lot of steps to make it energy efficient, but we're not going to allow what we used to see in the past. Uh, And the city of New York, the government, 
which uses about as much energy in a, a year as do the people and the businesses of the state of Vermont, we are going to get all of our energy from renewable sources in the next five years. So, so, so these are the big broad strokes for the plan. They, so, so these are the big broad strokes for the plan. They, they could have wide impact. These are civic decisions. Uh, but there's also personal things people can do. You talk a lot about some of the things you do your own life. You recycle. You make, yep. um, your staff has said you go around City Hall turning off lights and so yes. on. Um, but I also do need to ask, uh, you live on the Upper East Side in Gracie Mansion. Uh, most days, or several days a week, a city uh, SUV drives you 11 miles to a gym in Brooklyn, as opposed to one that's close to where you currently reside. Uh, what sort of environmentally responsible example are you setting there, taking this drive in a car, as opposed to going someplace nearby? So the example we're setting, first and foremost, let's, let's look at this exact question before us. The plans we have put forward, we're acting on, will reduce emissions 30% in all of New York City by 2030. Uh, that's where we make huge change. Uh, to the question you asked, look, wherever I go in New York City, whether I take a subway, whether I go nearby or farther away to another borough, uh, I have a security detail that follows me in their cars either way. So let's be clear, this is just part of my life. I, I come from that neighborhood in Brooklyn. Uh, that's my home. I go there on a regular basis to stay connected to where I come from and not be in the bubble that I think for a lot of politicians is a huge problem. Uh, but the fact is that those cars and that security detail are part of the life of being mayor of New York City. Switching gears, it was a sort of jarring headline. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just his lifestyle, don't you know. So a lot of different things that we're going to see with that. Uh, you know, like they said, retrofitting to try to save energy, reducing emissions about 30% for 2030. And if people don't abide by these types of fines, they could have, have fines in the millions of dollars. Because that's what it is. It's the socioeconomic reformation. You're getting on board. okay? When I'm telling you that uh, Governor Jerry Brown met a few years ago with President Xi Jinping of China uh, before they became beyond 1984 status with their social credit score system, you're having a governor meet with a president talking about how they can commit to the UN agenda. Now, it's New York's turn. This is, this is why they're banning things like plastic bags. Uh, good news is they're actually banning things. Uh, they're they're banning things like glyphosate. They're not. Thankfully, they're not wanting to actually spray it on their citizens. Uh, so many different things. Uh, why people need to make more environmentally responsible decisions. Uh, this is, if you ask me, good stuff. But you've got to understand again how they're going to sell you free energy in California. This is this is this is why I'm glad that news pundit said uh, a roadmap because that's what this is. Every state will have its own version of the Green New Deal. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez being a, a, whatever she is, taking, doing, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez doing whatever she did has to be radical for the point that it is initially going to be shot down so that everybody else can pick it up for it to be reformed, for it to be appropriate. You can't do something like that for the entire country, but every state within the country can do something so that it can that's to reduce those types of emissions by 2030. And that's what it is. You see, you've got to pay attention to that. Uh, like they said, being energy dependent on renewable sources in five years. You see, this is the plan. Uh, you, 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 this is the plan. This, this truly is the plan. Uh, I, want, I wanted to talk about, you know, Roundup causing cancer and how the government has colluded with Monsanto. Uh, of course it did. 
Bayer has a history of colluding with governments. They work with the Nazis. Of course they would buy Monsanto and start working with the American government. Are you kidding me? This is, this is a history. That's why it rhymes. Evil sons of guns. But what we're going to do instead is talk about the opioid epidemic. Some more good news. Because we need to start ousting this stuff. Getting it out there. I have been avidly against, because this, this plays into what we're going to be talking about next, I've been avidly against opioids. Never done them. Don't like them. That's why I'm telling you guys, go ahead and get uh, the CBD oil. If you have a, if you got some, plain, some pains, don't take some Tylenol. Don't get type, uh, ibuprofen. Go ahead and hit that link in the description bar below. Use promo code FREEDOMFACTION to get 15% off on some CBD oil. That is way more important, way more beneficial, and way more healthy for you. These opioids they got people out there doing turns them into zombies and junkies. Like this is this is the drug. These are the drugs, man. I have I have always been against any type of painkiller because it numbs the brain. I remember when we first started getting like kind of crazy finding our way talking about this. I did like a series of episodes where I said when you do these pharmaceuticals, and I dipped into the occult, the esoteric, the pharmakeia. This is witchcraft. It's distorting your, your relationship with God. So, when I see this right here, doctors being charged in seven states for prescribing big pharma painkillers, yeah, go to jail. Because you're over here drugging and killing people. The Free Thought Project put out an article earlier this week, too, talking about this. Talking about how, this I think it was the Sackler family, uh, is being charged. And I say, good. Good. Yeah, Matt Agaris wrote an article that says, uh, for the first time, former Big Pharma CEO arrested for conspiracy for fostering opioid crisis. If we have time, we'll get into this or get into that one. But let's, let's get into this one. This is by Max Labo of STHF Plan. Uh, we put this up April 19th. It says, in what is being dubbed the largest opioid takedown in the United States, 31 doctors, let's hope that's not a numerology thing for 13 and them saying that, you know, it is what it is, but 31 doctors spending seven states have been charged with prescribing drugs that are legal. However, the charges state that these doctors had illegally prescribed more than 32 million pain pills, including a dentist who unnecessarily pulled the teeth of his patients so he could prescribe pain pills. It's the same thing with vaccines. That's what I'm telling you. They get more money. The doctors get more money if they give you the shots. They get, they, they, they get bonuses. That's why they want to get you on a schedule. So they can say, okay, let's get little, little Timmy up in here so we can give him his shots. You know, uh, I'll, need, I'll, need, I'll need to put another down payment on that boat over there in the next two years. So I'll make sure I give Timmy his shots uh, in two to three years, two and four years, so I can bing, bang, boom. These evil, wicked people. I didn't write this article, but continuing on, it says, according to the Washington Post, these arrests include doctors who, who prosecutors allege trade, traded sex for opioid painkiller prescriptions. Uh, a total of 60 people were indicted, including the 31 doctors, seven pharmacists, and eight nurse practitioners, and seven others licensed medical professionals. The charges, <laughs> the charges stem from the government's largest prescription opioid takedown. In Tennessee, a doctor who branded himself as the Rock Doc allegedly prescribed dangerous combinations of opioids and benzodiazepines, uh, sometimes in exchange for sexual favors. Over the course of three years, prosecutors say he prescribed nearly 500,000 hydrocodone pills, 300,000 oxycodone pills, 15,000 uh, yeah, 15, fentanyl patches, and more than 600,000 benzodiazepines. 
you can go find this statistic over there at the Washington Post. It says, but there are some who allege the government themselves, thanks to the lobbying and Big Pharma's money, are responsible for the opioid crisis, and now they are trying to do damage control. This is yet another example of how government screws up the economy and the lives of the public and then swoops in with some kind of, air quotes, fix that likely won't fix anything at all. Many of those addicted to opioid painkillers eventually take to the streets to get to their drugs, where they where their high is much cheaper and much more readily available. But this recent takedown did involve more than 350 illegal prescriptions written in Atlanta or, or Alabama, Kentucky, Louisiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, and West Virginia. And this is this is it. This is the modern medical system. So when they're screaming at you, go get your shots. Go get your shots. Realize that these are the, these are the people telling you, hey, go get your shots. Get your shots so we can get that money because we need that money. Realize in Japan, people don't really have, they don't have mandated vaccines. They're healthier. They live longer. They're smarter. And over here, we're just, we're just, oh my God, we're just, just, just taking shots to people, man. We're playing scientists. We're playing God. It's like some wicked thing out of some, some twisted horror science fiction movie. Not even horror science fiction. Science fiction, it would be like, cool. This is just horror. And here's this article I was telling you about from the Free Thought Project. For the first time ever, uh, a big ph- former Big Pharma CEO arrested, arrested for conspiracy for fostering the opioid crisis. That's right. We're, we're, we're not going to get into this all kinds uh, because I have another thing that I want to talk to you guys about how I think uh, Homeland Security is, is, is wanting to label fentanyl as a weapon of mass destruction. We've talked about how they had the largest uh, fentanyl bust earlier this year over there in Florida. And how the Chinese are shipping it in through the mail. They know that Americans love their drugs. So they're just going to give it to us. And we're just shoveling it into our brain. Shoveling it into our veins. Shoveling it into our throats, our bodies. Any kind of way we can get it. We're like, just give me the drugs. Just give it to me. You see, because you can't just take the pill as, as if it was, you know, what it was prescribed for. No, silly Americans. Why would, why would you do that? Why would you read the instructions of something and do it? Nope. America's like, no, I'm not even going to do that. I'm just going to crush these up. Maybe even sprinkle. I don't even know what that stuff is that they sprinkle on there and they smoke it. But junkies, man. Junkies. So, yeah, what I'm telling you to get the CBD oil, I'm trying to tell you to get away from all this stuff. Get away from that lifestyle. Let me get into this article. It says, from the Sackler family to the doctors arrested for pushing their pills on unwilling Americans, lawsuits and charges in the opioid crisis abound. However, the companies responsible for distribution of these drugs are, have, large, have largely gone unscathed until now. In a first in the government's battle against the opioid crisis, the former CEO of one of the largest opioid distribution companies in the country, Rochester Drug Cooperative, and the company itself have been criminally charged with conspiracy. According to the federal prosecutors, Rochester Drug Cooperative was charged Tuesday with narcotics conspiracy and conspiracy to defraud the United States. The former CEO of the company, uh, Lawrence Dowd III, was charged with narcotics conspiracy and conspiracy to defraud the Drug Enforcement Administration. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York charged Rochester Drug Cooperative, RDC, one of the country's largest drug largest distributors of opioids with knowingly and intentionally violating federal narcotics laws by distributing dangerous, highly addictive opioids to pharmacy customers that it knew were being sold and used illicitly, according to a press release 
as reported by the ABC. Dowd, according to the charges, distributed tens of millions of opioid or of oxyco- oxycodone, fentanyl, and other opioids, knowing there was no legitimate need for them. Quote, Today's charges should send us shockwaves throughout the pharmaceutical industry, reminding them of their roles as gatekeepers of prescription medicine. DEA special agent in charge Ray Donovan said in a statement, quote, DEA investigates DEA registrants who divert controlled pharmaceutical medication into the wrong hands for the wrong reasons. This historic investigation unveiled a criminal element of denial in the RDC's com- compliance practice and holds them accountable for their egregious noncompliance according to the law. With all the shockwaves created by the charges, RDC agreed to non-prosecution consent and will pay a fine of $20 million. $20 million for ruining all those lives? That's not enough. As for Dowd, who was led away in handcuffs on Tuesday, he faces up to 10 years if convicted. We can only hope he's convicted. Now, to wrap this segment up, I wanted to kind of talk about, you know, how Americans are financially and mentally unstable. I think people can get that. They can get that. That's why they rush to the drugs. That's why they rush to these types of things, because it acts as a level of escapism. It allows for them to pull away because they want to be desensitized. Yes, people want drugs, even though they don't have to be prescribed things. They don't have these problems. It's the same thing for people that have their green card. It's where they go in. They say, oh, I have PTSD from, you know, whenever a monkey attacked me in something or rather, and then they get their green card and then they don't get like access to have certain jobs or work a firearm, operate heavy machinery, have a government job or any of those types of things, all because of these, these types of made up things. But it's because they want to practice this escapism. They don't want to do anything. So right here, when this article talks about it, Americans being financially and mentally unstable, how crippling debt is linked to chronic depression. That's what I mean by promoting the austerity, promoting the scarcity, promoting like the very little that we have to get by and then people realizing that's not what it is. That's not what life is. So when they touch, when they, when they go to things like fentanyl, they, and I'm not even going to play for you guys the actual clip because the full clip is kind of crazy. Uh, essentially what it is, is this guy ODing. I don't even, I, I don't even know this gentleman's name. Uh, and for our audio listeners, what's happening is I'm playing for you guys uh, a muted clip of this individual who essentially overdosed and you're watching him essentially pass away uh, and how the people trying to help revive this gentleman are saying, Hey, you know, these types of things happen. But the article that it's attached to is DHS considers classifying fentanyl as a weapon of mass destruction. And they say this because of the death at how fentanyl is one of the most potent synthetic opioids out there. It is considered to be a hundred times more, po- more potent than morphine. This stuff is killing people, and people are eating it up. They're taking it. They want it. They crave it. And this is the poison that they're injecting into their veins. They do, they do the Narcan, hoping that they can be revived. Hoping that they can be revived. And this is the insanity that we find ourselves fighting against. Fighting, ag- fight, not fighting against, fighting for, who, you, you, you name it. You name it. And there's two clips that I want to leave you guys with. Leave this segment with part of the socioeconomic reformation. Why our only problem, our only issue is being sane in an insane world. And that's why this is, this is all becoming so crazy 
and really I don't really even know what to say and why I think you have all these people going to drugs, practicing these types of things, losing their type of mind. Right here. Pedophilia is being taught as a sexual orientation in California schools. As I said before, to, uh, you don't see a lot of crazy things happening in California anymore except for this. They said, okay, we've done, a, we, we, we've, done a not, we've done a decent amount for this first wave. Let's put a capstone on it with this. Let's teach them uh, uh, pedophilia. And then we'll go over here to New York. Check this out. They're saying they're saying that pedophilia has existed throughout history, so that it's important to 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 talk about this. They're saying that a relationship between a man and a boy, it's been it's common throughout history. So they need to tell the kids, hey, look, you might be hit on by children, you might be hit on by men, you might be hit on by your teacher. Accept it. You 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 might be uh, perverted. You might be molested. You might be assaulted. Right now, this video has four hundred has forty three thousand six hundred and fifty five views. At the time, it went viral. Couldn't tell you how many shares it has right now because people understand that this is becoming an increasing problem. I'm going to read a little bit from this article and then I'll get into the next video that shows a little boy, not Desmond the Amazing, another one that's dancing around having money thrown at them. It's in Ohio because they want to stop the hypersexualization of children. Pedophilia being taught as a sexual orientation, that's the sexualization of children. When you're doing the, the, the transgender thing, we talked about it a few weeks ago, giving eight-year-old children as young as eight cross-sex hormones, what is this? It is such a race, it is a race for your child that it is, it is disgusting. Let me get into this article. We put this up uh, April 22nd, it's from Humans Are Free. It says, government school officials in California thinks it is, quote, really important to teach children about pedophilia and pederasty in the classroom because it is a sexual orientation. That is according to a top official for California's, for California's Brea Olinda School District who admitted to parents that it was being done and that it would continue despite the outrage. The implications are mind-blowing. Remember, remember like a few, I think it was like last year, two years ago, uh, that, that TEDx talk that came out about how they said that we need to start accepting pedophiles as minor attracted persons or we need to rebrand them as minor attracted persons, people that are attracted to minors. And now the LGBTQP, you hear me adding the P on there because this is, this is it. They want to be underneath the rainbow. They want access to your kids. They want to be able to diddle them. And this is, this is dangerous. This is terrifying. And I, and I talk about it all the time. What's up with the drag queen story time? We, uh, we, we're, we're figuring out more so that these are registered sex offenders in proximity of children. What is that? 
But in places like Boston and in the UK, thankfully, thank the Lord, they're teaching children mindfulness meditation practices. But what is going on with these UNESCO Agenda 21 United Nations funded education programs? Continuing on, it says the stunning admission came from a parent parent information meeting last month for the Brea Olinda Unified School District. Stephanie Yates, founder of Informed Parents of California, asked school officials why they were, quote, teaching pedophilia in school to ninth graders. But instead of a denial that such an atrocity was taking place, a top school official confirmed it was happening and acted like there was nothing wrong with it. Quote, this is being done because we are talking about historical perspectives of how gender relations and different types of sexual orientations have existed in history. And that's the woman that you saw getting in their face, assistant superintendent of a curricula, Carrie Torres, in a matter of fact kind of way. Just just walking up like, hey, look, and she's right. Look at what happened in Rome. More of those sexual perversions with, you know, that's somewhat where Greco-Roman wrestling came from. Uh, that's what the whole imprinting is. That's what pedophilia is. That's what grooming is. Where they're saying, hey, look, we're going to we're going to molest your child. We're going to give we're going to give them hormone treatments. How far do you how far off do you think they are before you give them drugs? Isn't that what Desmond the Amazing was doing? He was doing drugs with one of those creepy pedophiles. Think about this. This is a 12 year old kid over here shoveling ketamine to his brain. And people think this is okay. I'm not being tolerant enough. Whoa. At what point are we going to draw the line? Thankfully, Ohio did so by introducing this bill banning the sexualization of children, House Bill 180, uh, because right here, this video that I'm going to play for you guys is of a nine-year-old drag queen named Miss Mayhem. She's da- he, uh, he is dancing for adults in a bar, and they're throwing money at him. Mind-blowing. Line up and tip this entertainer. Please come over and see me and take a picture with me and be on two of my Facebook pages and my Instagram with me and allow people to know that we love this entertainer, the fabulous, the one, the only. Pull up those dollar bills, please. And welcome to the stage. Miss May Okay. We're gonna go ahead and pause that right there. Okay. Well, I, I, I like legit don't even know what to say to this man. Like what do you say to this? You got a little kid over here dancing up. Like look like look 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 at this look at this woman this this man thing. Look at this thing. And I know I'm supposed I'm supposed to be the one that's tolerant here, but this is this is this is uh this is blasphemy. This is sinful, this is wicked, this is I do not even know what to say. Uh and I think that's why I'm just like getting slowly angry. And why I'm talking about this is this is where, where we're going. This is a part of the most dangerous religion. This is a part of the socioeconomic reformation. This is a part of earth worship, where we're all just animals. There's no divinity, right? Like this is, and you're going to be hit on, and 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 perversed and 
I forget what the seduced by perverted children. The same way you already are. The same way that there's just like children that sh- that, that that look like women. Like it's it's wrong. It's wrong, dude. Let me get into this article so I can hurry up and just I'm not even going to replay that video. Let me just get in this article so we can wrap this segment up. It says lawmakers in, o- in Ohio have introduced new legislation that would ban the sexualization of children. House Bill 180, introduced by Republican State Representative Tim Schaefer, amends Ohio's child endangerment stat- statute uh, to include involving minors in any material of performance that, quote, suggests a minor is participating or engaging in sexual activity, masturbation, or bestiality. LifeSite.News or LifeSiteNews.com reports uh, adults violating the law could face fines starting at $1,000 and six months in prison. Given our heightened focus on human trafficking and the role money plays in trafficking children, I knew I had to take action to make sure this activity does not occur again. We can do better to protect innocent children. Uh, we can do better to protect innocent children, and we must do better. We must. Schaefer declared in a statement. Cleveland.com reported that HB 180 is motivated in part by a drag event last December at J.D. Henderson's, a Lancaster area bar where nine-year-old drag performer Jacob Measley, and this is the child that you saw dancing right there, a.k.a. Miss Mayhem, danced in a suggestive costume while accepting dollar bills from an, ops, from, from an audience, ostensibly for a, charitable, for a charitable event. On January 30th, Lancaster Republican Mayor David Schaefer issued a statement downplaying the incident by stressing that the, quote, minor was fully clothed and was not touched by anyone in the audience, that his parents were in attendance, and that the police was, and the police found, quote, no violations of city ordinances or state laws and received, quote, no new complaints of this activity at the bar, and that the bar owners supposedly, quote, did not approve the activity and promptly banned the drag troop upon learning about it. And you can see right there that the child is clearly not entirely clothed. You can see that this is just wickedness all around, that the parents are involved. Like, this is just crazy to me. It's crazy to me. So many different things that I don't even know where to start. The fact that this is just, like, tolerated to me, it blows my mind. Uh, And what's going to end up happening with the reverse psychology aspect of it, you ban this, this is only going to encourage it the same way that it's happening. The weeds will start popping up even more, Hand or even even more so, because people will be engaged with this type of stuff. And this is what I mean. If we're not on board with this type of stuff, well, they'll lower your social credit score. Or they'll, they'll call you a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, or a xenophobe, or anything that's not in alignment. You see, this is the dangers of these types of things. This is why we have to be aware and hypervigilant. But this is what I mean by the socioeconomic reformation, the hypersexualization of children, and why we have to be aware of how they're distorting reality. They're making people mentally, mentally inept, uh, spiritually, spiritually dead, spiritually dry. You see, not on fire for God, not on fire for life, not on fire for divinity. They have to put us into a state of de- dehumanization to where we do not want to love, to where we lust, to where we, 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 we crave after baser instincts. Like it's, it's, it's perverse. It's wicked. But I digress. What's going to happen is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about my trip down to the border. Uh, the, the FBI arresting this militia leader. And some of the other strange things that just keep on happening down there. Uh, and lastly, we're going to tie this whole thing up with this, this, this strange thing that I saw. 
while there are people at Coachella raging on, uh, elites over at Silicon Valley were casually planning on how they were going to, uh, how they were actually going to escape to Mars. We're going to be talking about this and more on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction on Factions of Freedom, and we'll be right back right after this. Salutations, my friends. Have you heard of Sheila Jeet? Well, to be quite honest, neither had I. But then I started doing some research and I found out that it was part of the Hindu Ayurvedic system of medicine. And for hundreds of years since its discovery, it's had the potential to help people live a healthy and balanced life. Here, let me read off some of the benefits for you guys. It increases your energy, boosts your libido, balances your mood, supports healthy aging, decalcifies your pineal gland, and we all understand how important that is, supports healthy brain health. Uh, it also helps regulate your hormones. There are so many benefits to taking this that I cannot put them in this single video. You can mix it in with tea. Uh, I like to mix it in with my pre-workout in the morning and be careful, it's gonna give you that boost. It's going to give you that energetic boost you need to get through your day. And remember, guys and gals, stay vigilant, expose lies, and share truth. This is Noisera, Freedom Faction.
that was supposed to be a cool meditation, cool, uh, cool, cool sci-fi sound. You know, like the the cool UFO uh, things. No, nobody got it. Okay. Well, I guess with that being said, thank you guys for tuning into this segment. Factions of Freedom, this segment of the episode. Yeah, if uh, you didn't catch on, I'm taking a trip down to the border. That's why I saved it for the last part of this, for the last part of uh, this episode. Uh, conflicts of control. You have assault, assault rifle-wielding Mexicans. Uh, assault rifle-wielding Mexican national soldiers that are literally disarming U.S. troops. You have 1,600 migrants that are dumped in New Mexico. You got them arresting a air quotes militia leader, Larry Mitchell Hopkins, who has ties, uh, or apparently who is who's, who's plotting to assassinate Barack, Hillary, and George Soros, everybody that they need. You have all this stuff going on at the border, and I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I feel like some of it was some of it's put out there to discourage me. Some of it's put out there uh, to scare people and frighten them. But at the same time, it's only emboldened me to be like, what is going on down there? I need to know. I don't trust the mainstream media. I don't. Tr- I don't like what they're telling me. I, I see what's being portrayed. I'm hearing all this information. I'm hearing this stuff. I need to go down there. I need to go down there. And so that's what we're doing. We're going down there. We're going down to the border, because Trump did threaten and did is doing that. Trump threatened to dump the migrants in sanctuary cities, in sanctuary states. He's doing that. Over the past weekend at the New Mexico Mindfulness. Leadership Conference of 2019, I had the honor and pleasure of meeting other individuals who were part of this resettlement process, who were also part of the transportation process. They keyed me in on a few things, and that was a beautiful part. Friday, I had met one person who was part of the, uh, I guess, like the greeting, like they took them from, here's, 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 here's what I'm going to do, and I'll try to iron this out uh, for you guys when I get more information. Let's say there's somebody... These migrants, they come through, right? They have to go to the airport or they have to be bussed in. Once they get bussed into a location, they get taken to a certain center. And then once they're at a certain center, uh, they get access to food, amenities, clothes, all this other stuff. They call them dignity boxes. They give them these dignity boxes and then they send them back to the airport. And they fly into those coastal cities that I was mentioning before. Uh, New York City. Uh, California, San Francisco, all these other places. Ironically enough, some of the places that are having some of these these outbreaks, these measles outbreaks, or any of these these resurgence in uh, diseases that were once fought off, once they're once they're there, uh, they're met by a sponsor or somebody that has uh, the ability to take these types of people in. They have at the time they have these these pamphlets and these documents and all this stuff with them uh, that basically gives them their ID. Uh, I don't know what happens if they don't have their identification. I would assume that they're given the the the, the ID of people that are dead, who knows, I'll figure out more information as I, as I go, but this is what I'm, I'm learning along the way, have to give you guys this information as a download, because this is, this is, this is why it's important, uh, just last night, before actually, uh, shutting down, because we had a debriefing with our team about the actual trip, but just before we actually shut down for the night, we put up this video, this video of, of armed traffickers, Human traffickers moving a, a, a mother and her child from the border. You have, you have individuals right here standing next to, it's like five or four individuals standing next to a truck. Uh, and then the lady comes out, she's got her kid, and they have, they have rifles on them. 
you know, and this this cam's literally looking at these people. They're being escorted to the border. Uh, there's an indi- there's a gentleman holding a uh, gentleman. There's an individual holding a gun. They're getting up to the border, and, and this is you know this is a pattern. You know this is a path. You know this is something that happens routinely, right? Because there's already a path in the ground. They get to the border. They point it in the direction, saying, "Hey, you cut through right here." Then you go down there, looking at they give them directions. Uh, you go down there, x amount of miles. You'll see something. That's when you turn there. This is a whole pattern. And just last week, I had told you guys how in Yuma, Arizona, they declared a national emergency or a state of emergency because of how many migrants were coming through. How many? I forgot to put a little book in peace on this, but one of the people who's actually meeting the individuals at the actual airport, right? They have to have all they, they, they have all the same shirts. So when they're going through TSA, when they're going through law enforcement, when they're going through checkpoints or anything, people think they're part of some kind of charity organization or it's some kind of it's some type of thing, like they're on a field trip or something like that. They have them all wear the same T shirts so people don't raise questions. You can't put a lot of migrants on an airplane because it's gonna be a little obvious. That's why they have to bust them, right? But the person that's a part of that aspect of the pro of, of the process they're telling me that on a volunteer basis, working 30 hours a week, they're able to process 300 migrants within that week's time frame. Volunteering. This is a whole thing. And this, just, this, this is the type of stuff that literally fell into my lap. Learning about this type of stuff. Right here. Let me, let me read for you guys uh, this article right here. That, that, that puts into perspective for you. Taxpayers taken for $75,000 to supply, quote, humanitarian aid, uh, humanitarian assistance as 1,600 migrants are dumped in New Mexico. This is by Tim Brown of Freedom Outpost. This video currently has 22,000 views on our page. I'll put this up April 23rd. It says, once again, the American people are on the hook for migrants being dumped in their states. A report is out that the Border Patrol agents released around 1,600 migrants into Las Cruces, New Mexico, over a 10-day period, according to the authorities. Uh, This forced the city to spend $75,000 on humanitarian assistance, which, of course, comes from the citizens of the city and, more likely, many outside the city. Breitbart reports, officials said that the Border Patrol agents dropped off 105 asylum seekers on Saturday to a local high school. Agents dropped off uh, another 56 on Sunday morning. KVIA ABC7 reported Monday morning. Uh, Border Patrol officials began releasing migrants apprehended in the El Paso sector on April 12th. The El Paso ABC affiliate reported the releases come as the sector reached the breaking point with thousands of Central American migrant families crossing the border illegally in West Texas and the New Mexico boot heel. And and, and again, I want to just point this out <laughs> because this is this is the information we're getting. Like I had I I had I started the conversation because the first individual that told me when he saw these migrants, like they're, they're all, they all have ankle bracelets. And I said, well, what's that for? Uh, Insert so-and-so's name. And he said, well, that's because they can't hold on to them, EJ. And I said, well, what are you talking about? So-and-so. And he says, well, they're getting overwhelmed down there. So what they're doing is they're giving them ankle bracelets, giving them the pa- giving them the pamphlets, and releasing them. So it is a catch a catch and release. Like yeah, they're catching them to get to to put little bracelets on them. Like they're tracking cattle, and then they're letting them go. 
And I'm like, what is this? What is this? This is a whole operation is what it is. It is a whole operation. That's what it is. What, what, what I'm trying to break down to you guys and what I want to give to the rest of the people of the world is just that. How this is, th- how is, how this is that. This is a whole operation. Uh, the idea behind this is to overwhelm uh, the system. And we understand the political ramifications of this. I spoke about it time and time again. It's to, it's to overwhelm the system. Uh, it's to implement so many other things, authoritarian state, and so much more. So when you have people uh, going down there, and this is this is why I want to go down there. Those that just to have one of those actual clips that you guys saw, and to say that's mine, that's ours. We talked to so and so. We we talked to this person. We talked to this person, and I don't want to give out any of the sources information just yet because we need to solidify them and I don't want to name drop but we talked to so and so we talked to so and so we talked to this person we talked to that person we got a pretty comprehensive view of what's actually going on and that's why this is just like unstoppable because it's financed like a well-oiled machine so what I'm talking about assault rifle wielding Mexican troops disarming US soldiers I'm talking about the control the the, the cartel controlling our border like this is the craziness about it I know I know. This is what I'm saying whenever that 5D, 6D, 4D, however you want to look at it, chess, whatever you want to call it, they're going to have us call for our own. They're going to have us call for the border. They're going to have us say, hey, look, I know you think you have a, a, a good idea of what's going on. No, we, we want to control things. And I want to address this. I had a lot of people asking me, because uh, I'm going to play for you guys a quick clip of uh, a newscast I think is from uh, CBSN where they're, they're, they're talking about um, arresting Larry Mitchell Hopkins and uh, how he was a militia leader down here in New Mexico. People, A lot of people ask me, hey, EJ, is this your source? Is this your connection? Uh, do you know this guy? No, I have no connections to Larry Mitchell Hopkins. I do not know his militia. I do not know any of the people connected to them. Um, I don't, I did try to get in contact with the people who actually filmed that video who were down there whenever those migrants were being round up. But I, however, have no contact, uh, and no connection with this organization. Now, why am I saying that? Because this type of information is the type of stuff that people need to know is going on. Look at just how fast exposing what's going on down there went viral. People are focusing on Larry Mitchell Hopkins, not the actual migrants that he that he he detained. Citizens arrest is what he was saying. He also claimed that he was a border patrol agent, uh, so he could you know be locked up for impersonating an impersonating an honor, uh, an, an officer. Uh, but what I'm trying to tell you is this: they want to discredit what's actually going on. They want to sweep this underneath the table. You have people on the far left uh, who are saying that the Americans doing this are repeating the Nazi SS that the militias that are written in our constitution that allow us, that's the reason like why we have the second amendment too, is so that we can keep and bear arms to fight against the tyrannical government. You have people on the far left who are so radically brainwashed by today's society, by the mainstream media who are saying that, Hey, these people who are going down there to protect our country, our way of life, they are Nazis. The militia members who are saying these migrants 
will come through the country legally, they're saying that those are the, those are the Nazis. And to a degree, they are somewhat. They they I could see where they would get some some veritas in that statement. I could see where they would get some truth out of that. But to call patriots and to call people who are trying to protect America Nazis, that's crazy. They're they're essentially saying, uh, you know, kick the Jews out. America for the Germans, America for Americans, not for illegals. I could see where they would make that argument, but this is at a things are getting to a point now to where we can't stand by idly, and that's why it's becoming increasingly dangerous. Uh, but here, let me play for you guys this clip of CB on 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 CBSN of uh, the news clip of where they've arrested Larry Mitchell Hopkins. All right, let's go to New Mexico now. A man has been arrested by the FBI for allegedly impersonating a Border Patrol agent. Larry Mitchell Hopkins is believed to be a member of an armed group that's been holding migrants at the southern border. Look at this video. The group is known as United Constitutional Patriots. They uploaded the video to Facebook. Members are ordering asylum seekers to sit down. Then the members are calling Customs and Border Patrol to turn them in. Now, the ACLU is accusing the right-wing militia group of kidnapping the migrants. That group says it's going to stay at the border until President Trump builds a wall or Congress makes it harder for the migrants to enter the U.S. In a statement that we've gotten from New Mexico's attorney general, Hector Balderas is now saying the guy arrested is a dangerous felon who should not have had weapons around children and families. He goes on to say today's arrest by the FBI indicates clearly that the rule of law should be in the hands of trained law enforcement officials, not armed vigilantes. Mr. Hopkins. All right, let's go to New Mexico now. But that's a how man. this is. Really, that's how this is. You know, uh, the, the the last week's episode, uh, we said that it was lawlessness on the loose. You know, that's that's essentially what we're talking about right now. The laws aren't in play, uh, and that's what I'm talking about when we're calling for martial law and police state and all this other stuff, the security, surveillance state, all this stuff. That's 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 what this is. That's what the wall essentially represents: is locking things down. Uh, we've talked. We've talked at length about things such as Jade Helm 15, UX 16, Operation Gotham Shield, uh, Thunderstorm Spiral, preparing for social disintegration, civil unrest, and so here and so forth. What would it look like whenever it's actually here? What would social disintegration look like whenever it's here? The dollar doesn't mean anything. Gas prices are going up. People hardly have any food. I'm telling you, Americans are mentally and fit mentally and financially unstable, what would social disintegration look like? Really? Could you tell me? So when we have these types of things going on, people trying to stand for just something, that's crazy to me. How is it a news story that these people are doing the job of like people who aren't doing their job because the laws aren't there in place? Back in the day, they would say people might say this is a good thing. They call these people vigilantes like it's a bad thing. Is it, are we entering the days of Batman? Are we going to start having the Jokers? Maybe some some Antifas, you know, some uh, some fentanyl hyped up Antifas, just like <laughs> ready to get, get, get you, you know. What are we going to? Are we is it is it? Are we turning into Gotham? Do we have villains running around? Do we need vigilantes? You see, this is what this is part of the socioeconomic reformation. This is a part of the social disintegration. This is what I mean, like conflicts of control. Lawlessness on the loose. That's why I use these terms and, and, and put these types of stuff out there. Because what we're essentially talking about is how crazy life is essentially is becoming. There's no rules. It doesn't matter. 
we're trying to create this new uh, you you have some people that say uh, out of this will be birthed a new more moral America I'd be very interested to see what happens with that a new moral America uh, and what that looks like in the face of things but essentially what we're talking about is the the not the the social collapse or the financial collapse but just that I, I say the socioeconomic reformation because things have to change a certain way and during this time frame you have people that are partying drinking getting faded having a good time uh you know they're raging as the as the old world order is dying and then they're ushering in the new world order that's why these raves and a lot of these things that are going on these end up being the woodstocks these end up being the 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 spearheads for culture this is why i tell you politics is downwind from culture it's a culture that we have to create it's a culture war that's on right now and there's an article that popped up this week that essentially summarized where i truly think where i truly think things are and that's why i wanted to end this entire uh, episode with this as coachella raged on la tech world made plans to live on mars you have this idea that with this breakaway civilization and i've spoken on this before i wrote an article for awd news maybe i should start writing more articles if you guys want me to start writing more articles email me maybe i should start writing articles and then i'll put it on uh j of truth is our religions truth tube mix up some of that uh, but i wrote an article for awd news about elysium and the breakaway civilization and how their entire idea was not to go off to mars or go off into Galaplaxius 9 or Zeta Reticuli or any of these types of places that they tell you is to go off into just the upper atmosphere to be just off of the earth for the flat earthers uh, they'll be right there in the stratosphere still within the dome but they'll have cloaking technology and they'll be able to see us from their Elysium from their planet for, from their, 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 uh, their space port whatever you want to call it they won't go off to off world they'll be right here but before that, they have to release the bioweapon, they have to uh, destroy populations, they have to do all these types of things. That's why they say no borders, no walls, no USA at all. They don't want to have any kind of people who are resilient to these types of uh, diseases that, that will unleash, will be unleashed. This is why they're talking about things such as drug-resistant uh, superbugs, uh, measles outbreaks being at record levels. This is why, again, they're not talking about the diseases and the, 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 the degradation of the environment, the environmental pollution, the toxic air, and things of this nature. That's what I mean. They have to put us in a separate class and then put themselves in someplace else. But let me get into this article. I'm actually going to be reading from, uh, what is this, from LA Times, ironically enough. Uh, we didn't actually put this up with the article, but we, uh, we, we, we put it up in conjunction with an article from uh, Mysterious Universe about how a U.S. presidential candidate addressed questions about an extraterrestrial invasion. And I thought that was important because you have three things, you have two things going on right now. The gradual disclosure of things like extraterrestrials, off-world entities, and things of this nature. Uh, and at the same time, you have us becoming the extraterrestrials. You have us trying to leave the planet. So I find that just truly fascinating. 
Uh, but let me get into this article. It's from Sam Dean of L.A. Times, and it says, as Coachella, as Coachella raged, the L.A. tech world made plans to live on Mars. It says the only in-flight beverages on the 11-seat private jet were bottled water and genetically modified bacterial slurry designed to prevent the world's effects, the worst effects of hangovers. A handful of passengers on the short evening flight from Hawthorne to the edge of the Mojave Venture capitalists, a man with a mushroom-based manufacturing company, and this reporter downed the mixture. The pilot, along with two senior SpaceX engineers, politely declined. At the Apple Valley Airport, a helicopter waited to take us beyond a far ridge, farther from civilization. Miles from paved road were two tents, a ring of shipping containers, and an H painted on the dirt marking a makeshift helipad. One hundred miles to the southeast, masses of festival heads were gathering to the desert, gathering in the desert for Coachella's first April weekend. But this small crew of space scientists, synthetic biologists, inventors, entrepreneurs, and one partygoer with a flamethrower had higher ambi- ambitions. By jet, bus, and more than a few Teslas, they came to this desolate valley for a beta space a one-night, invite-only confab for not-the-quite-yet-burgeoning space settlement industry. Through sheer force of festival, a festive networking, its organiza- organizers hoped to spawn the companies and concepts that could allow humanity to establish bases on Mars, or maybe the Moon, or, quote, terraform, as they say, our nearest neighbors into habitable worlds and spin-off technologies for us Earth-bound humans in the process. To the brains behind the operation, this was also the first step for a new path for the L.A. tech scene. Once a major, once a dominant player, back when tech and aerospace were synonymous, the Southland fell from prominence as silicon software and startups concentrated in the Bay Area. Should space colonization actually become a thing, however, Southern California could capitalize thanks to its long history in the rocketry and its lively space and its lively biotech sector. And in another part of the same desert, companies such as SpaceX, Blue Origin, and Virgin Galactic launched the rockets that could give to get us to other worlds. Betaspace aims to figure out how we live once we're up there. The invitation promised Betaspace would be the place where Burning Man and Consumer Electronics show collide. There was a lamb roast and an open bar with space-themed cocktails and a laser show projected on the unmistakably Mars-esque hills. At the end of the night, an ailing Honda Odyssey would be ritually incinerated. The man-made anti-hangover microbes flowed freely. A crowd of about 180, many from Silicon Valley, some as far as Switzerland, was roughly split among entrepreneurs and tailored tailored button-downs and business casual fleeces, scientist and field work appropriate hiking boot and flannel combos and Burning Man habitues, uh, looking like extras from the Mad Max me- movies. Most had ignored the style suggestions in the event's Pinterest lookbook, heavy on flowing robes that had been emailed to participants in advance. Brian Johnson, the man w- who made hundreds of millions selling Venmo to PayPal and now runs the neural interface company Kernel, rubbed elbows with Brian Armstrong the chief executive of Coinbase, the world's leading crypto- cryptocurrency exchange. By the snack table were, le- were legacy chips and salsa sat alongside bright blue uh, cyanobacteria-dusted popcorn. A man in knee-length fur coat sparked a conversation with a steampunk. One had sold a successful office catering company and was now looking to invest in business models based on catastrophic change. The other worked on developing small nuclear reactors to power spaceships. 
planetary colonies, and Canada. How do you keep that fur, that fur cloak clean? The nuclear engineer asked. Four burns in a row. Never cleaned it, the catastrophe, the catastrophe in, in, investor replied. A representative from DARPA, the military's experimental research wing, wore a, sequ- a sequined blazer and horn-top hat. A spindly Spock impersonator milled around the edges, looking sternly into the distance. As the DJ played soothing techno music, packs of younger men and women roamed about in full-body elastic silver jumpsuits. But this crowd wasn't here to simply look good. They were here to talk space. At a typical tech conference, a moonshot is a metaphor for a new monetization plan or a bold marketing strategy. Here, shooting for the moon could mean just that. And I'm just going to go ahead and pause right there. You guys can read more of this actual article if you'd like, uh, because essentially what they're talking about is that, how people are coming together. The, the world's richest, the world's most powerful are coming together to talk about how to get off of the world, or at least how to terraform the world into a world that's more habitable for them. If you thought the tech elites were bad, and you thought censoring was bad, the political aspect of this, what happens whenever you literally have people who are part of a breakaway civilization who want nothing left to do with humanity? What happens whenever they have literally abdicated their humanity in search of something more, in search of being transhuman, of being better than human? And this is why it's so important that we look at this type of stuff and we understand what is truly happening because this is the world that, they're th- that they are creating. And this is why we have to do everything in our power to try to create a world for ourselves. This is Worshipping the Earth, Socioeconomic Reformations, and Conflicts of Control. However, that's all I really have for you guys and girls. I know I kind of went all over the place, as we typically do, but you know what might help with that? If you hit replay, or actually if you went and downloaded the show notes on our website, hit replay, and then follow it along. That actually might help with that. It really does. Some people have told me they like it. Uh, you can add, you can ask for more in our uh, email. Hit us up in our email. I will have that in the description bar below. Also, we are taking a trip down to the border. If you didn't catch on, uh, we'll be doing a breakdown on Fellowship and Freedom this Sunday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So I hope to see you guys there. On top of that, uh, there's already been some sales for the 10-day jungle retreat in Bali uh, with Nate Max of Innate Awareness. If you guys are interested about that, I'll be sure to put that link in the description bar below. There's so much that we're doing that these weekly shows are literally becoming packed with so much information, it's, it's becoming overwhelming. Uh, and it really is, thanks to all of you guys' amazing work and support that we're able to do this. And with that being said, I want to say thank you guys for tuning in to this edition. If you have any questions, feel free to email me. I'll have that in the description bar below. And as always, guys and gals, stay vigilant. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noisera, Freedom Faction, out. <laughs>